Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petucci. And, and this, this is, is The Science of motherhood. motherhood. Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of The Science of Motherhood. I'm your co host, Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Batucci, your other co-host. We are the dynamic duo of Fill Your Cup. However, we do not do this by ourselves. We are Australia's first biochemist-led doula village. And we've got, obviously, many, many doulas in our village. Big shout-out to Amanda and Georgie and Caitlin and Samara and Kate And we service both Melbourne and Hobart with our in-home care. What does that look like? Who is a postpartum doula? What are you talking about, Renee? Well, essentially, we are your Mary Poppins. We are your BFF for life after you have had a baby. So we come in for three-hour sessions and we nurture and nourish you with delicious postpartum-specific meals and we your shoulder to cry on and we do your laundry and all of those amazing things. Another thing that we do, if you are not in Melbourne and Hobart, is that we have a beautiful range of our FYC products. Um, Mika is currently addicted to the creamy coconut dal mix and the cookies. Mika, and we've just been talking about the fact that uh, it's Christmas time and things are getting real and these packet mixes are saving our lives right now, right? Yes. Well, basically we created them for ourselves. (laughs) We're super selfish. (laughs) They are so handy when there's no food or no time to have a packet mix to whip up and the cookies and the dal are both highly nutritious, high in protein, organic, natural, super easy. The cookies are really fun to bake with the kids. Mm -hmm. I recommend that's a really fun Christmas holiday activity to do and then maybe you have to give them one to keep the rest for yourself. Yes, hide Um, them, hide them. Having them on hand makes life so much easier and the dal... Oh, my gosh. Once you've had it, you will know what we're talking about. So you will not believe it comes from a packet. I know. Chock full of broth, all the best spices and herbs, and just like that big warm hug that mums need. And it keeps you full and, yes, keep it coming. 100%. So if you are looking for a gift for a busy mum, a new mum, a to-be mum, you may have, if if you're listening to this live, you've probably missed the cutoff for postage. But having said that, though, we have gift vouchers and we can understand it's four days to Christmas. Gift vouchers will be your best friend, mama. So head over to our website, ifillyourcup.com, and you can get your BFF, a gift voucher, for them to come and choose whatever they like. We have our mother load pack, which is a packet of the cookie mix, dal mix, and our postpartum recovery sets. So get on over to the website and pick yourself a gift voucher. Now, 
Without further ado, today's guest could not have been like better timed. And we, <laughs> we're not good with timing, are we, Mika? We're busy mums. We just like, we're winging it, mate. Don't worry about that. But we have the beautiful Fleur Chambers on the podcast and she is a multi-award winning meditation teacher. She's the creator of the Happy Habit app, best-selling author and philanthropist. She's got over, are you ready, 2 million downloads in 45 different countries and she's helping people say yes to their entire lives. Now, Fleur's backstory is that She's on a mission to change the way we understand happiness, health, and well-being, and she's used her experience of living with chronic pain. She's helping others see that happiness isn't an imaginary place free of disappointment, regret, insecurity, or any other uncomfortable emotion, and we talk about this right at the outset of this interview, which I like, oh, my gosh. Mika and I were both, well, Mika cried. I definitely had tears in my eyes. So I haven't cried in one of these episodes since I spoke with Jan Island. God, that was a while ago. But she, like, it's, yeah, very triggering. (laughs) But in this interview, we talk about mindfulness. We talk about how how to tap into those mindful moments, how it's not, necessarily something where we're adding the the checkbox on a list like a very very long list already for mums of like oh god another thing I have to do mindfulness another thing I have to do exercise it's not about that Fleur so I think she was so wonderful in I guess awareness don't you think Mika around like Don't add it to a list, just integrate it and tap into the things that you already have, right? Yes, and I think as well even just like having the kindness for yourself that maybe you haven't been doing it lately and that's okay as well. Yes. And you can forgive yourself and have compassion and understand why it hasn't been a, a priority at that moment and moving forward, oh, my gosh, just so much goodness. So much goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about living your life according to your values mm. and then what you can let go of, expectations. Absolutely. It was really powerful, I think, for me, yeah. especially before the holidays and Christmas. It was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. I could have gone for it twice as long. I know. We, like, ran out of time. Like, it was crazy. Going back. But if you want any more details on Fleur, they are in the show notes, but her website, thehappyhabit.com.au. You can start there and find all out, all about Blur Chambers. So welcome and enjoy the interview. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Fleur Chambers. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, for all those listening at home, this is kind of a bit of a serendipitous interview for me and I'm a little bit starstruck because a few months ago, what was it, daylight savings happened and we all know the clocks, I never remember, they go forward, back, I don't know, but what happens is there's more daylight at the evening and I have a five-year-old, Eva, And around daylight savings, she had decided that sleep was not required. 
anymore. And the question of, mum, but I'm not even tired. And the sun's still up, so it can't be bedtime. And I panicked. So again, for long-time listeners, they will know that I had serious anxiety around Eva's sleep when she was a newborn. And so that's kind of started to creep in a little bit more. I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get this child to sleep? And I am a huge advocate for the Insight Timer app. Mika knows it. I know it. All of our doulas know it. It's literally like one of two apps that we kind of preach to our mamas. And I thought, all right, well, I've been doing yoga nidra through the Insight Timer. I wonder if there's something on there for kids. And I put it in the search and up cropped and I've got it in front of me here on the phone because it's in my favourites, Fleur. (laughs) Kids sleep meditation, five to 13 years, Fleur Chambers. We use this track religiously at night now and it is one of the most beautiful guided meditations. My daughter loves it and I wanted to spruik it on Instagram because I thought, don't keep this to yourself, Renee. Everyone needs to know about this because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's struggling with a toddler not going to sleep because of daylight savings. And then I discovered that you were here in Australia and you kindly wrote back to me and said, thank you so much for sharing. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get her on the podcast. So here we are. Here we are. <laughs> awesome. Oh my God. So Fleur, please tell us, who are you? How did you get to being a like one of the most beautiful, like your voice Oh my goodness. I was like, I actually started to do like a bit of meditation as my daughter was going to sleep. I would just like sit there and I'd be like, oh wow, this is so lovely. I felt like really calm as well with her. Tell us, how did you get to this position? Well, thank you very much. I love hearing about little kids listening to those meditations before going to sleep. And the numbers are crazy. Like every now and then I check the numbers on that app and it's something like, you know, 250,000 times that a meditation like that will have been played. And sometimes I like to visualise all the little kids tucked up in bed, snuggling their teddy, feeling grateful, ready for sleep. It's it's pretty nice. But my journey uh, began with mindfulness and meditation when I had three very, very small children. So I had three kids under three. And like many of your listeners will experience, I was just on adrenaline. I was always one step ahead planning what would go in the daycare bag or I was one step behind replaying conversations, moments when I hadn't gotten things exactly right or I was worrying if they'd had the daytime nap. Does it mean they weren't going to go to sleep? So I was never in the present moment. I had these really high expectations around being a perfect mum and getting it right all the time. And I felt acutely responsible for my children's well-being, even when I wasn't sort of near them. And then this other really weird thing started to happen. I began to feel lonely, which is a very strange experience when you're never alone. Like I had to even take a kid to the toilet. We all remember 
or know how that feels. And so I was never alone, but I felt deeply lonely. So I was talking to my mum about this and she obviously waited for her opportune time and she's like, Dal, you really start need to start meditating or practicing mindfulness so you can feel more grounded for yourself and those beautiful kids of yours. Because the other thing that was happening is all in my environment, I was just noticing really sad, stressful stories. I just felt like everyone was putting their stuff on me. And I'd worked in the disability sector. I'd been in the not-for-profit space for a long time. So I knew that people's lives were hard. And I'd always felt quite resilient and able to support people in their time of need. But I was just so threadbare, so exhausted. I couldn't take on people's stories. So it was this combination of sort of four factors that all weaved into a perfect storm and I decided to try mindfulness. And now 14 years later, I'm a mindfulness and meditation teacher. I've got a very well-established community all around the world and just feel really grateful to have used my own personal experience and my own love of mindfulness and meditation to create the business that I love and doing work that I love. Oh, my God. That is such a beautiful story. And what I what I really loved about that was the fact that it was your mum who brought you into the fold. Like we always preach, you know, you need a village, you need someone else like looking out for you and supporting you. And it was your own mother who was like, let's do some mindfulness. Was she someone that practiced that herself? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she'd practiced mindfulness. She was a psychologist, but she was very wise about when she planted seeds. And I think she saw her moment and it was, I listened. So that was really perfect. And then I just started weaving really small, simple, mindful moments into my life with the kids. So if I was cooking, and I heard one of them laugh, I'd put down the knife and I'd listen to the laughter and I'd allow it to sort of soften my body. When I held the kids' hands as we crossed the road, I'd I'd feel how warm their little hand was in mine. If I changed a nappy, I'd touch their little toes and feel how soft their skin is. So what mindful moments are is an intentional shift from our busy thinking mind into our sensate world because you can't think and sense at the same time. So if you're with your senses, your body is naturally softening and you're having a break from all that planning, all that rumination, all that being mean to yourself. Mm. So beautiful. I'm just going to jump in and say with your (laughs) introduction about yourself, brought tears to my eyes because I have been there and I feel like in a lot of ways I am still there with two little ones and I think that I'm not always present Um, and then I feel sometimes a sense of guilt but even stronger than that it's like the lost moments and very recently I've my daughter's four and she's been having some moments and I've stepped back into reading a parenting book The Whole Brain Child which we love and I read it two nights ago and it just it just reframed a lot of things in my mind. And I actually noticed yesterday when I was with her all day, 
it changed everything. Like just the lens that I was looking through in the moments and that connection that I think is very similar to what you're talking about um, in a slightly different way. But it's so, it just, it was such a nice day rather than feeling, you know, I'm, we're such doers, I think, as mothers. It's such, you know, we're human doings, but we need to be more, you know, human beings. That's what my mum always says to me. And I, I love that your mum planted the seed at an opportune time because I often feel personally that advice might come in at a time when I'm not, I'm at a threshold where I can't encompass it or it's not appropriate. And I think it's a really natural thing for mums to feel, you know, we are the ones organising school lunches and replaying conversations. And I think the loneliness as well, sorry, I just so much of it I think is going to resonate with our listeners because I feel lonely too. Mm. And I'm not alone even to go to the bathroom, which is so normal. And I'm listening to this and going, yes, I need to start doing this myself Mm. again. And so I'll just say two things to that. So the first is that loneliness is a call home to your deeper nature. So to the part of you who is enough, the part of you who is loving, the part of you who forgives yourself when you don't get it right. And the other thing I'll say, and it's a story I hear so often, is people saying, I should be more mindful. I really have to practice. And that's really, it has an energy of horribleness to yourself. So don't be hard on yourself about how you haven't been mindful or don't feel like you need to be mindful out of guilt or burden or a heaviness. We embrace these sort of opportunities with a sense of already being enough. I think that's really a message I try and send out to mums is don't add it to your to-do list and then feel terrible when you didn't get to it today. Know that you're already enough, you're already doing your best, and that when the moments come up, you'll sink into mindfulness And that'll be beautiful. But you don't need to be mean to yourself for not having done it or lost your way for a little while. Oh, God. I feel like this is going to be like a very teary like session. It's like really triggering so many things for me. And I just think thank you, Fleur, as well. I think on that first point you made, I think that's really valid because I think for myself, and I know people I've spoken to as a mother coming home to myself, I feel lost. I feel a bit like my sense of myself as Mika is at the moment, I think I understand the season I'm in. This is the busiest season. I've got a four-year-old and an 18-month-old and I try and be with them as much as I can. But at the moment, I probably need to be making some more space and time for Mika. But, you know, they've got physical, emotional, everything needs. And so I think that, yeah, I think finding, I don't know, I think just talking about self and self-identity and a sense of self in motherhood and, you know, being able to forgive ourselves is such a powerful and beautiful part of the journey. And, you know, as a postpartum doula and all of those things, I am not immune to any of this. I, I actually think that's my best skill as a doula and as a friend is that like you have said, you've been through this, we've walked the roads, we have compassion and empathy, and I'm still learning. And I'm really so excited for what you've already said and what's to come. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh. there's just so much to unpack there. <laughs> just like, 
So I made it like a Mickers therapy no, session. I mean, I, I think it's, I, I do like the point that you've raised in terms of like, don't try and add it to your plate as like a to-do list. Like, oh God, you know, let's add that as another task, right? Mindfulness, get a checkbox next to that. Because I think it's something that I've, I was, I've been researching. So I haven't, for example, I haven't been great with my fitness, for example. And I was like, what am I going to do to try and keep myself on track? And one of the things that cropped up as I was doing more research, like how can I be more consistent? And I think, you know, fitness or mindfulness or checking checking in with like self-care. One of the things that someone raised was to not have it as a chore, to not have it as a single another checkbox, to actually link it with something else that you already do. So, for example, like you were saying, you know, you're in the kitchen, you're chopping up vegetables and you hear that laughter and you're just like, I'm just going to sink into that now. So, for example, what I've been doing is each time that I drop my daughter off at school because it's walking distance, I just keep walking. So I'm already out. I'm already dropping her off. I'm already like halfway there. I just need to keep walking. And I go for like, you know, a beautiful 20-minute bush walk. I Because I think that's something that mums find so tricky. How am I going to integrate this into my already busy life, right? Yeah. And it's called habit stacking. So you gotcha. stack. I knew there would be a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> So you stack the mindfulness on top of something you already do. So when the kids are cleaning their teeth um, or you're asking them to clean your teeth, you stand with them in the bathroom and you listen to the sound that the toothbrush makes. You look at the colour of their hair. Maybe you put your hand on their back and you feel a sense of warmth. Uh, you Or when you're putting the pyjamas on the kids, that can be a moment of immediate like, softening how cute are kids in their jammies so you just notice the little feel of their toes the eyelashes the color of their eyes the sound they make you could when you go to breastfeed or feed or look at a sleeping baby hear the little breath you know, feel the little breath when you're breastfeeding. Notice your posture. See if you can sort of shift your posture. So I think if you've gone from a baseline of no mindfulness, Mm -hmm. trying to add it to maybe three habits that you already do, like preparing dinner, cleaning your teeth, and, and you know, changing a nappy or whatever, or you could even smell the nappy. I mean, there are so many options for coming into your sensate world. But one that I found my students have really enjoyed is when you go to the park with your kids. And I don't want to make judgments here. I raised my kids in a different technological era. <laughs> but, you know, to be walking in the pram and to have a podcast in is not really very mindful. You could take the headphones out and you could listen to the birds. You could notice the season. You could engage your toddler as well. Hey, what season's it in? What colour are the leaves? Can you feel the leaves crunching beneath you? So these moments for presence are here and it's a muscle. So we've got a doing muscle, 
and we've got a being muscle. And most of us have very, very strong doing muscles and society tells us to flex these. That's the other thing. It's not all our fault. And so when we shift into being, we also need to acknowledge that that can feel a bit uncomfortable for a while. When you move into being, sitting down, having a cup of tea, your mind's like, but I should be wiping the bench. I should be getting those <laughs> socks off the floor. Society's going to tell me I'm lazy just having this cup of tea. So then you bring your mindfulness to how uncomfortable you feel. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. really want to get out of this seat and have this cup of tea and wipe down the bench. So you're just present to whatever's there. Yeah. So, okay. So, oh is, so, your, so I guess your suggestion is... Don't try and push those thoughts out. Just sit with them and go, okay, yeah, I'm feeling that. It feels uncomfortable, but I'm okay. Like I'm still going to have, I'm going to still sit and I'm going to still have this cup of tea and the, and the kitchen bench can wait. Yes, because I think <clears throat> a lot of people are under the illusion that mindfulness or meditation will feel calm and great. <laughs> And so when it doesn't, they're like, oh, no, I'll just get back to being busy. Yeah, right, okay. But as when you go to the gym for the first time and your muscles get sore and it feels a bit uncomfortable, that's what happens when we try and be more mindful and present too. We need to sit with that murkiness of feeling like we're not productive, of feeling like people might judge us, of feeling like our partner might say, how come the kitchen's messy when I've gotten home from work? So lots of things come up because also busyness is a blanket. Busyness puts a blanket over our emotions that naturally come and go, our fears, our desires. And so when we take off the blanket, we've actually got to deal with the shit that's underneath. Yeah. And there's a lot of shit. Oh We've got a lot of baggage yeah. underneath that blanket. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. I do too. And I think it's so true. I think that over-focus on something else, being busy, cleaning the house, whatever it is, is so easy to do because it allows us to avoid checking in on ourselves mm. or me going, who am I? What do I want? It's just easy to be busy and be like, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to think about what I want. And I think that's really important. I love so much of what you just said in terms of, you know, with mindfulness meditation not always being this happy, calm place. I think it's, you know, we often explain this to our mums too. Like I think any experience is good and bad. Like motherhood is not all just beautiful moments. It's, you know, it's like anything. But just with the analogy, so I used to do some mindfulness pre-kids and I love the analogy of, you know, you go, you're learning to sail and you go out on a smooth day, the ocean is calm and you have a great day sailing. It's beautiful. It's what you expect. You're at another day and there's a storm and it's windy and it is not calm, but you are working so hard to keep the sails up the right direction, all the other sailing terms, I don't know, but you learn more on that day. And I just, that always stuck with me. I think that's so true in terms of sitting with that discomfort and noticing it and and even your description of all those sensory things with your children at the park and in the home, I think it really is so easy to miss it. And 
and when you don't miss it, I, I believe that's where the beauty is. I, I look at my kids' hands when I'm tense sometimes, their little hands, and that brings me back in that moment to just being and noticing, like, the joy that they are and the beauty that they are and the fun that we have rather than the busyness. So, um, sorry, it's a lot of things I've just said. <laughs> everything you're saying is just it's definitely resonating with me. And I love that those moments are so achievable I'm very guilty at adding things to a to-do list and wanting to tick it off and feeling like oh, I've done something today but it's like no I'm just gonna be I'm gonna sit down and have my cup of tea and I'm gonna yeah I love it I think this is a really important message to get out um, and so when you talked about that sailing analogy I really liked it because what it reveals is What's more important than the weather, the outcome, is the attitudes that you bring. And so whether you have a mindful experience that feels joyful and filled with falling autumn leaves and laughter with your toddler, or you have a mindful experience that brings up how annoyed you are with your husband that doesn't do as much domestic work as you, it's about the attitudes you bring to that moment. And so the attitudes are curiosity, preferably warm-hearted curiosity if you can, a sense of compassion and just a willingness to be with what's there with this sort of open and wise heart. So it's less about if the sun's shining or if it's windy and more about how can you cultivate that sense of internal curiosity, external curiosity for the world around you, And how can you be compassionate to yourself as you're going through this? Mm, I I love that, Fleur. It just made me remember about like during winter, you know, when it's raining and stuff, and I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. But I I try to like really try to hold my tongue on this. But, you know, if if it's raining, people are like, oh, God, it's awful weather. And so instantly it's an awful day and we use this language around our kids all the time. And I do try to pull myself up because I kind of think, you know, is it awful? Like is the whole day awful because of the because of the wet weather? What could we be doing otherwise? And I know it's really hard, but, you know, when my daughter was um, younger and we used to live in Melbourne and, you know, with COVID and everything, you really had to seize the moment when you could given the restrictions on um, travel and how long you could be out of your house. And you just were just like, if it's raining, we are getting out of the house because this is all we've got. And so I got um, Eva one of those big... (laughs) <laughs> like raincoats, fully like waterproof and the big um, overalls and gumboots. And I thought, you know what? There's no such thing as awful weather. We are getting out there, rain, hail or shine, jump in puddles. And it was the best fun she actually like had. So, you know, uh, as as grown-ups, we, can, we set the pace. We set the attitude and, it, you know, our kids are just learning off us now. And so... I'm actually, I don't mean to blow smoke up my own ass, but when it's raining, now the attitude is it's not an awful day and we go, oh, my goodness, it's raining. The plants are going to be so happy today because look at all the water they're going to be drinking. And I think perhaps we need to start shifting 
that attitude to, to those types of things, as you say, like walking in with warm curiosity and 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 reframing. Yeah, I love that. And just more fun and play. And as my kids get older, so they're now 11, 12 and 14, the stories they tell about their childhood, they're the ones when I was having fun. They're like, um, remember when we used to dance on a Friday night in that tiny little hallway to this song? Or remember when you used to let us get hot chips in the pram? <laughs> and um, so those hot chip moments are so funny because I had the three really small kids and it would get to that witching hour. Oh, yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, I've got two choices. I can either try and be the perfect mum, put four steamed veggies and some fish on the plate, no one eat anything, yep. and me yell at my partner when he got home. That's one option. Or the other option is we can all go out in the pram and a scooter and I can buy you some hot chips and by the time we get back, uh, Dad will be home, you will have had some hot chips and we will have walked along the canal near where I live. And they still talk about that. Remember when we had hot chips in the pram, Mum? Like it was the highlight of their childhood. Or I could have gone for the other thing, which was gotten cross and frustrated and then take it out on my husband. So that's an example of how we can lower our expectations, our self-imposed expectations, and just soften into a little bit of play and a little bit of joy, trusting that actually that's what our kids will remember. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Isn't that it? That is so, so true. We definitely have a tradition of dancing in the kitchen. So if I sense spiralling with my daughter, she, like, you know, with most kids, movement is going to shift that brain into, like, you know, a different gear. And so we crank some sort of banger in the in the kitchen and we dance it out because I'm just like, just shake it out, kid. Like, just shake it out. That or water. What is this magical thing that water does with children? Is it a sensory thing, Fleur? Are you, do you know about this? Because I don't know what it is. It's the puddles. It's the ocean. It's throwing them into a bath or something like that. So I'm just going to be really quick with this story. And I think I've told it before on the podcast, but when we, I'm going to say fled because we did, we fled Melbourne. And we moved here to Tasmania and it was September, so spring, but it was still like, it was cold. It's Tasmania, right? And after we did our two weeks of quarantine in the house, bless, we were able to do it in house instead of a hotel. We live about five minute walk um, to the beach and it was freezing. It was like, I don't know, 14, 15 degrees. And my daughter was itching to get in the ocean like I could see it she was just like playing in the sand and like she was like mum can I go in and I was like oh darling it's really cold and then like my husband it's like so oh my god if she gets sick like because you know two years of COVID and I just thought stuff it go for it babe run into the ocean and you should have seen this kid she was just she just turned four and she ran into the ocean as if she had just been like let out of a prison or so, which effectively she had and she was just like splashing in the ocean and she was like dipping in and it was freezing and she came out 
she was doing like um, sand angel things on the beach and she was saturated, covered in sand. And my husband was like, oh, my God, how are we going to get her home? And all I kept thinking was I don't even care. Like look at the joy on her face. What is it about water fleur? There is something about it, right? Well, we're made up of water. Yes, of course. (laughs) It's that coming back to our essential nature. Oh, my God, yes. I love that story is told about the memories your kids have and we haven't got to that point yet and I look forward to it and I hope the stories are as beautiful and warm and I'm obviously trying to do that but I loved when you talk about taking that pressure off ourselves in terms of the should. I'm very guilty of no we should be having a healthy dinner again and we should eat it and I'm going to put in all of this effort and the more effort I put in the more resistance I met with, no one eats it, it's a mess, I'm in tears. Like I do, I have done, I'm learning the hard way. And when I take that pressure off myself, of take the shoulds away and I almost look to the coulds, what could we do instead? And it's like, you know what, maybe, you know, it is like sometimes we do sneak some little chocolate chips that we, you know, use for our cookies and just like little things like that where it's like you probably shouldn't do that. And it just changes everything. It takes the pressure off. We do like a little, almost like a TV style dinner, not in front of the TV, but like a little bits of this and that. Like, And they love it. And it's like there's no veggies and fish on there, but they've eaten, they're happy, we've connected. And it really is so much more enjoyable for me. But And I, and I think it comes into that, talked about earlier, that being a perfect mother. I feel like a lot of women, when they become a mother, want to become the mother. And I, I feel like there's an internal pull for that and also a societal expectation for that too. And I think rebelling against that might be one of the most powerful things we can give to our children because it shows that we are human and in different situations, different things are needed. But I think what you've said about giving ourselves permission to just to do what's easier. Like I have days sometimes my partner goes to work and I've got the two kids and I just, when I'm really tired or I'm a bit under the weather, I always go, I'm just going to choose whatever's easiest all day long, even if it goes against what my values are or what I think my values are or I should be doing. They are the best days we have. They really are. It's just I'm present. We have fun. Oh, oh, it just makes such a big difference, I think, when I take that pressure off myself. And I remember in, I think it was in Raising Girls by Steve Bitter, he says, your children will never be calmer than you. And it has always stuck with me because I do know at times I'm an anxious and stressed mum. I'm a busy mum and every mum is busy, but I think I can always hide behind that. And it scares me that I might be a bit more a bit less calm than I would like in terms of my children being around that energy because when I get up there, they get up there. And like I was talking about with the dinner, the more pressure I put on on making this perfect dinner, the less they're going to eat it because presumably the energy is up so high by then where if you just go, you know what, let's get fish and chips for dinner. Well, let's eat crackers with butter and cheese because they just love butter. I'm calm. They're calm. It's win, 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 win. And maybe veggies didn't go in. But, um, but that's okay, right? And it's just, yeah. On that, flow, like, I guess with that societal expectation, you know, people pleasing and, and things like that, can you kind of walk us through, I guess, 
you know, how can we how can we create that shift? What's going on there, particularly for mums? You know, because, and I'm going to say newborn mums as well. We have these conversations in our postpartum planning sessions with our mummers, and it's around the boundaries and you know the child's the star of the show and they don't want to step on eggshells. Oh yeah, of course I'll say yes to that person to come over, even though I'm exhausted or we've been up all night and. How can we how can we kind of mitigate that? I think when you've got a really young baby, it's a really hard one. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't start there. <laughs> because you're exhausted, you've probably really lost touch with that inner confidence and knowing and intuition, mm-hmm. unless you're one of the lucky ones that it just arrives the minute the baby comes out, which I don't actually think it does for many of us. <laughs> FedEx but was if- on time <laughs> with that one. <laughs> but if you're exhausted, your body's going through a whole lot of changes and people are knocking at the door wanting to see the baby, mm. I don't have any advice for how you could deal with that. I think that's a really hard one. But I think as you get, unless asking someone else to advocate for you, that might be one. But I think as time progresses and you get to two and three months and one and two years and everything, that's when you can start to check into your own intuition, like that time that you just allowed the kids to have butter and cheese on a bicky and actually you notice that there was more connection that they were more at ease that you felt better you lean into that moment and you're like okay so I know that I made the right decision for us then and the more you allow those moments to land the more your intuition lands for you the more confident you feel in yourself the more enough you feel And then when you come from a place of enoughness, that's when you can let go of the people-pleasing because the people-pleasing is all about at my core, I don't feel enough. I'll only be enough if I've made you happy. Mm -hmm. So you um, segregate your own needs for the needs of others. So um, I think it's about really leaning into those small moments when you have listened to yourself and the outcomes being good. The time you decided not to take your toddler to the park when he was really tired and then he had a beautiful nap and you were just looking at him sleeping going, I'm so pleased I let him sleep rather than thinking I needed to drag him to this event at the park. And you really just sink into those moments where you've made the right call for your family and trust that over time that will just then enable you to have clearer boundaries, to trust your intuition next time, to notice when your gut's tight and act from that place. Mm. But I'm sorry that I don't have any advice about that first tuning period because I went through it. My mum literally had you know, 20 people at the door all ready to (laughs) come in to give their onesies and there I was making tea for everyone. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I, you know, I wish I had some advice for that time in my life, but I think compassion for yourself 
then and don't try and have conversations that you've never had before. Yeah. When you're so exhausted. Absolutely. We do try and bring it up in the prenatal yeah. sessions so you don't have to deal with that in that particular moment and setting them. And then even then in the end of pregnancy, I think women are still, you know, I think, you know, we won't dive into this today, but a lot of women are raised as, you know, a good girl and people pleasers. And I think that makes it really hard to then set your own boundaries. But I, I think pre-planning before then is good. But I, I loved what you were saying about those moments because when you lean into and make the right decision, like we didn't go trick-or-treating just recently because we just got back from a long weekend away. We were all tired and exhausted. The weather was a bit hit and miss and I felt guilty. I was like, oh, all her friends are there. She wants to go. And then it kind of rained quite heavily and I felt like that was my out to go, well, we can't go anyway. But I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but I didn't want her to miss out on things. But by staying home, we just chilled out and played inside. And I think those little moments where you're trusting your gut are, to me, they're the most beautiful moments of motherhood. And I'm sad that I have, not I'm sad, I shouldn't say that because I have compassion, but I want to capture as many of them as possible. Mm. Fleur, I just want to ask, like, you know, you touched on the fact that unless someone else is there to advocate for you, and this particular episode is going to be aired just before Christmas, I am, we've written a blog around, you know, I guess how to survive the silly season. And one of the things that I kind of we've highlighted in there is around creating some me time for yourself, similar to, you know, you've penciled in all of these events and, you know, you've got all these meetings and project deadlines and things like that. Equally, like putting in the calendar for yourself, you know, this is my meeting with myself for self-care and things like that. But I think what's your advice and or suggestions around, you know, having conversations with your partner perhaps around advocating for you and creating self-care for each other, you know, in order for the family to survive and thrive, you know, each one of you has to have that separateness and togetherness. So, you know, have you had to, you know, help your students in having conversations with partners around how important this is for them to do that and and how they would go navigating it? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question and I think it comes back to this awareness Mm. and this curiosity and this compassion because you can put in the diary me time but if you're so caught in your head if your nervous system is so revved up if you're caught inside your ideas of what life should look like you may not even be able to connect with that part of you that's really yearning for it Mm. so I think that you need to drop down into that deeper aspect of you to then feel comfortable to ask for it really cleanly Mm -hmm. because if you ask for it from that busy place yeah it can sometimes sound like I've looked after the kids the last five days I don't want you going to the gym today it's your turn to be with the kids yeah that type of when it comes from that That, busy place it doesn't go so well but if you can connect with 
the part of you that's really yearning to have some time to themselves, it's more likely you'll be able to communicate that in a way that gets seen, heard and met. So you could be like with your partner or with your mum or with the babysitter. I'm just feeling really exhausted. I can feel a real ache in my body and I'm just, you know, just really need some time just for me. Would it be okay or is it, can we do this, blah, blah, blah. And I would be happy to offer you that time too. Or just So it's a moment of connection mm-hmm. where you're seen and heard and then you trust that what you need there will be space for. Mm-hmm. But those two different conversations, the one which is really busy, focused, around responsibilities it's got a tone of judgment or blame or all of that stuff and then there are the deeper conversations and we both know we all know how different they feel and we know when we're having one versus the other don't we oh absolutely (laughs) yeah don't don't ask don't ask for self-care time when you've forgotten the one thing that you went to the shops to get and, you know, there's mess all in the kitchen and your kids screaming and, like, things are late. Yeah, that is something I'm very much trying to practice. I've just, I'm a huge advocate for Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. We're trying to implement that in our house at the moment. So I'm learning to take cue and read the room (laughs) and not fire up um, when when things are not going to be heard like because you're just going to be met with a wall right it's just going to be if you come at me with fire I'm going to come at you with fire like it just doesn't end well at all but can I just ask around that sometimes when we do you know flick our lids as they say (laughs) like it can feel like a sense of relief in that. Um, I'm not saying it's an okay, it's a good thing to do, but presumably if we're connecting and dropping into ourselves more regularly, you know, we're not going to need that sort of outlet. Is that a bit, that's a very brief overview. Is that something you would agree with or not? Like it's okay to yell and scream sometimes and get it out or is it more not letting it get to that point where you need to do that? I think a bit of both. I think when you do drop into your deeper nature, you might actually find there's a lot of rage that's been sitting there for a long time about being a good girl, about always having to do it right around people pleasing. So what a lot of people discover when they let go of that busyness and inquire as to what's really going on for them is that there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of rage with the system, with their partner, with, you know, the the birthing experience, whatever it is. So we attend to that with curiosity and compassion. And then there's the more superficial reactionary stuff like when your husband doesn't put or your partner or whoever doesn't put the butter away or doesn't tie the bread thing up or, or the kids leave Lego on the floor and you trip over it. That, that flipping the lid can potentially be softened by presence in the moment. A few deep breaths is enough to shift your nervous system from the lid flipping to a more present state long enough for you to go, hmm, who do I want to be right now? But what happened for me as I explored that from reacting to responding is I didn't stop reacting 
but I was looking at myself reacting. So I'd still be giving someone a little lecture or telling someone what I thought, but I was also looking at myself doing it. So at any time I could have pulled myself out of it had I wanted to. So whereas when you're really caught in that flip your lid reactionary state, you're over-identifying with it, you're so caught up in it. So it's about creating space. And that doesn't mean that the space will stop the flipping the lid straight away, but over time, over time it will. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. I love that explanation. And I think just sticking on the point for Christmas of when this is due to be released and it is coming towards us quite quickly, you know, they often say that Christmas is a very stressful time for mothers in terms of the expectations. And so many mums don't really enjoy it very much because they are busy. What what would be any advice you might give to mums in terms of they're looking at Christmas, they want to do it differently this year? Like, is there any advice you can give around that in a general sense or in a deeper sense of it's okay to let go of those expectations? You don't need to have the perfect gifts or, you know, the kids don't need to be, you know, whatever it is. Like, is it just then, is it just really ignoring those outside voices and expectations and going, this is enough for my family? Like, I, I want to be a calm mother this Christmas, not one that's been rushing around trying to do all the things because, you know, you typically spend it with families and everyone's there to see it and it's supposed to be this moment. Um, and you're also on, sh- I feel like sometimes you're on show, like this is the time of the year where, you know, you haven't seen a lot of family and they're like, oh, the kids are here. Oh, haven't you grown up, little Johnny? And like your kids are. And they're dressed in beautiful yeah, clothes. Yeah, kids are on show. And I also feel like you know, your parenting is on show as well. And, you know, there's there's always, you know, I don't know, Aunt Betty who's, oh, you know, back in my day we didn't X, Y, Z, you know, fill in whatever. Like my daughter had a dummy for a very long time and no one ever commented to my face. I don't think that they had the cojones to do that. But nevertheless, I'm sure there was people who were like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's still got a dummy. How, Yeah, to Mika's point, how do we let go of that? Like what are the types of things that as mums we can walk into Christmas Day and be like, I've got this, or if it starts to spiral, what tips do you have for us to kind of take that deep breath and regain control of the situation? (laughs) I'm having flashbacks to <laughs> so many of my Christmases. Did you have an Aunt Betty? <laughs> well, we had a Christmas when I'm not sure why my husband thought it would be a good idea to get all the cousins Nerf guns. And oh, my God. God. We were sort of like we were okay and one of the other sort of like sister-in-laws just looked at me and went, we're not a gun family. Oh, and it was just this moment of silence. So I was like, well, we'll be taking that toy away from you. Yeah, um, okay. So, yeah, we're, there are so many moments like that. So I think two things. The first one is around your own family unit, wanting to get the perfect presence and wanting your kids to be happy and wanting them to be gracious as they unwrapped it and not 
greedy gutses and all of that sort of stuff. So you could perhaps before Christmas brainstorm what three of your values are, your values around Christmas. And if they're like joy, playfulness and connection and you notice yourself being worried that the kitchen's not tidy, you can say, well, hang on, my values are joy, playfulness and connection. So does it really matter? if the kitchen's messy. So you can use your values as a benchmark to bring you back when you feel like you've lost your way. I think that's a really helpful one. And then the other one around other people is to acknowledge that it's a big deal having kids and being on show and it's natural to want other people to think you're doing a good job and you've got a lovely family and and Johnny looks nice in that white linen shirt that you've had to iron, you know. (laughs) And only put on just before you walked out the door, right? (laughs) Why do we do this? (laughs) These are all natural parts of being human. And so when you notice yourself getting caught up in this stuff, you just take a breath and I think we feel all of that in our bodies. So when you notice yourself doing up the buttons of the white shirt or Auntie Maggie's coming and she's going to bring the trifle, you just like notice where that sits in your body. Are your shoulders going up? Is there tension across your eyes? Does your posture go in? And attend to the physical expression of that. So you offer a breath, you move your shoulders down, you relax your body. And when you relax your body, that's when the stories soften, you come back into yourself. Or you could even just have a little mantra like, it's not my business what other people think of me, or I'm doing the best I can, or I let go of the judgment people make about me. Or you can offer those people compassion. You know, your elderly aunt, she's just trying her best, isn't she? She didn't mean any harm. When we're stressed, we take things personally. And so if we can remember that it's not all about us, that actually everybody isn't judging us, then we can sort of drop into a more broad perspective and awareness. Oh. God, that is it. <laughs> That's the soundbite for the, for the episode. Oh, my God, Fleur. We've run out of time and I knew this was going to happen. Run out of time before we run out of topics. So we're just going to finish up with our rapid fire, if that's okay with you. But, Lord, that is so much gold in one episode. I'm literally like, okay, that's what we're doing this Christmas, people. Get on board. Um, I love it. Thank you. Okay, here comes our rapid fire. First question, top tip for mothers around mindfulness. If someone wants to perhaps start integrating that into their life a bit more, what would be a good starting point for them? Never underestimate the power of three deep breaths. So true. (laughs) So simple most powerful way to shift your nervous system. Oh, I love it. What's your go-to resource, whether it be a book, a podcast, a workshop for for mums, or maybe a little insight timer um, app? (laughs) 
I'm a sucker for nature. I Nature offers me all the wisdom I need. So for mums, if you're already feeling stressed and busy, I think sometimes the temptation can be to access more information. If we come to more information from the position of not being enough, then it just makes us feel more overwhelmed. So check in with yourself. When do you need more information? When do you really need to skill up in an area? And when do you actually just need to soften into nature? So true. My doctor often used to say she wishes she could just write on a script, spend time in nature. She said that would fix so many things. And yet we all reach for our phones so much more easily. But um, that's very true. Nature. And our last question, which we ask all of our guests, what do you have on your bedside table? Uh, I practice Orosoma. They're magical bottles filled with herbs and minerals and you put them on your body and they activate. So I have, and they're all in different colours, so I have them all next to my bed. Oh, wow. Like a beautiful nighttime routine for yourself. That's lovely. And, Miko, are you going to ask a question that we've never asked before? <laughs> I, I wouldn't bother answer asking it because you will it it's something like Cetaphil. Seriously, it's like whatever you buy from the chemist warehouse that your husband uses. <laughs> so we were just commenting earlier on Flo's amazing skin and complexion, and we we're gonna ask her what skincare she used. So expecting it to be some sort of like I don't know, Elizabeth Arden, like $200 night cream or something like that. Well, I think to me, I'm thinking of the mindfulness meditation embodiment might be the yeah. the real reason that she's glowing uh-huh. and looks amazing. I agree. I agree. Thank you. So, Fleur, where can people find you? You've also got a book and an app. Do you want to tell us about those? I think if you wanted to explore micro meditations, like less than four minutes, getting a reminder each day and just pressing play instead of scrolling through your phone, download the Happy Habit app. It starts with short, sweet, simple practices. And if you like it, you can move into 15, 20-minute practices or even courses. That's a great free resource available for everyone. And if you're interested in my journey around motherhood, around living well with chronic pain and mindfulness and meditation, then my book, 10 Pathways, is a really lovely read. And it's illustrated, which is pretty nice too. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for the past hour. Um, It's like flown. I was like, oh, my God, look at the time. Thank you so much. I've had tears. I know. I feel like it was almost like a little mini therapy session because, yeah, Mika, like I I know for you and for myself, like it just brings up so much around motherhood and I think we can get lost in preparing for the baby's arrival and becoming a mum and it is those simple things like checking in with yourself, walking in nature, you know, creating time and space and energy for that self-care that often is not on a baby registry. And so they just get missed and put aside. And I think people like yourself, Fleur, are just helping people, particularly mothers, reconnect and 
I think once we reconnect with ourselves, we can be better mothers. We can be better people for the community and feel better within ourselves as well. So thank you so much. Well, I've loved chatting with you both. I've loved the trip down memory lane to when my kids were little and they used to wear matching jammies and <laughs> now my 14-year-old, he won't even let me, you know, give him a hug goodnight. Oh. So. As annoying as it is when people say this, enjoy these times. I know. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? We're having hot chips for dinner. Like, I'm doing it. <laughs> and and no. when you button me up that little shirt at Christmas, just have a laugh and think of me too. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. I really Thank love you. connecting with you both. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Fleur. Have a wonderful day. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.